Good morning. We're here again in the name of Christ. And at a very good time of learning this morning. I appreciated the comments that were made. And uh, as the different people spoke, I began to feel funnier and funnier. <laughs> um, so first of all here, I want to say that Nothing that I say is intended to lessen your faith in God. That God's in control. God is sovereign. Uh, so make sure that, that we get that straight at the beginning. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a great God creator. That you know everything from before the foundation of the world. You know all about us here this morning. You know what's in our hearts. You know what's what's in our futures. So help us, Lord, to throw ourselves upon you as the only way of escape from the damnation to come and to to uh, rest in your love and your care. And bless our, our time together here in Jesus' name. Amen. So God knows everything. Uh, Does God's foreknowledge cancel your power of choice? If God has your whole life memorized already, can you change your mind? If the saved and the lost were written down before the foundation of the world, what can we do about it? Ephesians 1 4 says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. How can I be responsible for my actions if they're all known ahead of time in great detail? This is a 2,000 year old question. Philosophers before the time of Christ were discussing this question. The question is do humans really actually have free will? The topic here this morning is the sovereignty of God in a world of choice. And there's some uh, possibly seeming opposite uh, exclusive truths that um, both seem to be true. Um, quantum physics is a bit like that. Supposedly little tiny bits like electrons or particles can be at two places at once. Um, their future is determined by their past once they get to the future. It's really weird on a small scale. On a macro scale, like we're used to working with, your, your job and you know, hoeing the garden or whatever. Things are more predictable. <laughs> but nature is pretty strange. <laughs> There's a, a, a verse I thought of that I thought was very fitting. Second Timothy 2.23 but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. <clears throat> so, I decided not to just stop and sit down, though. <clears throat> Strong's uh, Hebrew and Greek lexicon has a really interesting uh, definition for this foolish and unlearned part of the verse here. He said, stupid. 
for both words. Within the definition. So stupid questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. Well, in my experience, uh, with questions, I, 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 I come to believe that stupid questions are created by the attitude of the asker, not the content of the question. So, uh, I, I think that's, that's how it turns out. And so I am asking these questions that I just went over uh, sincerely. And not in a way to, to um, uh, lessen God's sovereignty or lessen his wisdom or lessen your faith in him or my faith in God, uh, lessen our dependence on God. And I want to make sure that that's, that's clear ahead of time because maybe sometimes you won't be quite sure. Okay, so just, just hang on to that and um, know that that is my heart and that is, that is God's will for us to see him as our ultimate, our only, only hope. That God knows all things does not take free choice away from us. God just knows ahead of time what it is that we will freely choose. I'd like to do a little demonstration here. I need somebody about, oh, seven or eight, up to 12, 13, that range. Anybody at all? It won't be hard. Very, very easy. Male, female, just anybody. Around seven or eight, 11, 12, 13. I think you'd be fine. Go ahead. Would you come up here? It's not dangerous. You won't get hurt. All right, it's fine. You can just sit here. Um, I have here two pieces of real money. And I can just pick one and go back to your seat. Thank you. All right. So he did what I knew he was going to do. He chose my favorite right coin. Now I lost it. Okay, uh, and he left me with one that's worth ten times more than what he got. So I'll put it back in my box. I guess that's something to be grateful for. I lost my favorite right coin and kept the one that was ten times more valuable. <clears throat> so he did what I knew he was going to do. Let me tell you something. That was a really lame illustration. Because I didn't know what he was going to do. I just had a very high probability of expectation of what he was going to do. If he would have chosen the other one, I would have to change my spiel. (laughs) So yeah, I get to keep this one and he has the other one, the pretty one. But the point of that lame illustration was that even though I you know, thought I knew what he would choose, as far as he was concerned, the choice was perfectly optional. There was no pressure, no influence. I had them both out equally. He had complete free choice. And at the same time, I had fake foreknowledge. Okay, of course, we can't do a real foreknowledge experiment experiment because we don't have foreknowledge like God does. 
<clears throat> so, I just said that I had a high probability of being correct in my, in my assumption of what he, which one he would choose. Probability is when this could happen, this could happen, and if you try something often enough, it's expected that a certain thing will happen a certain amount of times. Where's God's sovereignty and probability? Where's God's sovereignty when you play, play Monopoly and you throw the dice, <clears throat> and sometimes you get a six, sometimes you get a four, sometimes you get an eight? No, you don't. Sometimes you get a three. Uh, <clears throat> is there such a thing as probability? Or is every event in history and in the past and in the future moved by God like pieces on a chessboard? These are weird questions. And I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to um, put any, any seed of doubt in your mind at all. I want to try to bring some clarity in my mind. This is something I've um, jiggled around in my brain for, for many years. Um, I, I kind of like to figure things out somehow. <laughs> Uh, and I like things to be black and white and kind of, this is how it is for sure. Like, you know, math always comes out correctly at most times. Sometimes equations have two opposite uh, answers <laughs> that are both true. But um, they only have t- two or, or three or four. There's a certain, a certain set of answers that, that's, that's true. <clears throat> All right, people's choices... I'm going to back up here. Several factors seem to be involved in fulfilling God's foreknowledge. Every event in the universe is known in detail by God from before creation, before the foundation of the world, as the, as the Bible puts it. There are several factors that seem to be involved in fulfilling God's foreknowledge. These are some things that um, I didn't read a book, and I'm not, you know, it's just something I thought about, and um, if you would like to correct me, that's great. Um, we'll have a discussion about it. Like, yes, and it's not, this isn't concrete. Uh, and some things that I'm going to say are just my assumptions. All right? Um, I'll be saying some things that are biblical and, and for sure true. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out how this works. <clears throat> and I've come across you know, these, these thoughts here. And, and uh, hopefully we can, we can, we can uh, lift up God in it all. So several factors seem to be involved in fulfilling God's foreknowledge. People's choices, influenced heavily but not caused by their surroundings. For example, why do you choose that shirt this morning to wear or that dress? I suppose you, most times you have a choice. That could be a case when you're the restaurant in the wash or something. <clears throat> People's choices are influenced heavily by their surroundings. And God uses people's choices to fulfill his foreknowledge. Natural laws. Natural laws, uh, something like cause and effect. We know that um, if I bounce this bow off the ceiling, it'll come down again, right? It always does that. Most of the time. (laughs) 
repeatability is uh, helpful. Well, you know, laws of nature are uh, fairly secure and stable. All right. It always happens the same way. If you pour dirty water into clean water, what do you get? Dirty water, right. Dirty water, right? We all know that. The laws of nature are always for sure. It always works that way. Okay? God's laws are unchangeable. Because um, Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus is upholding the universe. Jesus created the universe. He knows how it all works. And um, so the laws of nature control the universe. It's not that God is going to sleep. He's not sitting back and taking a vacation. But uh, the Bible is pretty clear that God created the universe and that Jesus, the word of Christ, is upholding the universe and makes things happen in their normal sequence. It doesn't take a separate miracle every time you hit the ball in a ball game for the ball to come back down again. That's what I'm trying to get at. Balls always come down when you throw them up. Uh, Hebrews 1.3, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. A miracle, then, is another factor that God uses to fulfill his foreknowledge. A miracle, I'm calling an event when God suspends a natural law. When God, sus- when God suspends... Uh, the way he made the universe to work at the creation. When uh, Jesus walked on water. Now, most of us can't walk on water unless it's crystallized. You walk on the ice, right? But Jesus seemed to have walked on water when it wasn't crystallized. <clears throat> and that was unusual. So people's choices, influenced by their surroundings, we do, we do things that come naturally, easily, mostly. That's, what, that's how we, we order our lives. Sometimes we have a decision. We say, oh, no, no, this isn't, I mustn't choose just what's natural, what's easy. But you get in the car and you drive down the driveway. You always drive in the same spot. That's why there are ruts in the road. You know, we, we do things in a, in a routine way. But, and and, and we're, we're very, very heavily influenced by our surroundings, by, by friends, uh, and also by spiritual forces, the Holy Spirit, hopefully, mostly, uh, and uh, perhaps some of the some of Satan's spirits sometimes influence people as well. The people's choices, natural laws, and miracles are three of the things that God uses, has put in place to fulfill his foreknowledge. And all the time we're having perfectly free choice. Okay. I want to talk just a little bit about miracles. This is where you might, uh, I was hoping you wouldn't... Uh, Go to turn your ears off right now. Okay, uh, let me talk about statistics, statistics and probability. 
insurance companies predict uh, how many houses are burned in a certain area. Uh, they, how many people are wrecked. And you can plan ahead. Um, medical sharing plans do the same thing. You know, we, have, we, we, we get a certain amount of money together because usually this is what happens. People have accidents at a certain rate. Um, so even monumental deaths and accidents are, um, are predictable. It's not just that you know, God pushed you off the roof. Uh, normally, I would say. Um, it's difficult to tell when, a mir- when an event is a miracle and when it's not a miracle. That's true. Uh, but I, th- I, I think from the scriptures, Jesus upholds the universe and we live our lives as if the laws of nature are, are consistent. So according to the U.S. Center for Z- Disease Control, seatbelts reduce fatalities about 45%. So your choices, whether you click or not, uh, if you have an accident, um, according to statistics, you have a 45% uh, greater chance of surviving the, the accident than if you didn't click it. OSHA says U.S. worker deaths per day in the U.S. in 1970 were 38 deaths per day across the United States. In 2014, they were 13 deaths per day. And I don't think it came from having so many fewer construction workers. Uh, OSHA, of course, would say that it uh, is a result of better uh, working practices. People's choices influence their lives. Okay. So those those uh, twenty five extra deaths that aren't happening anymore, or the twenty five deaths that did happen in the past. Uh, I don't know if we can say that God had a special lesson to teach those families, necessarily. I mean, they had an accident. This is just a, a, a statistic across the United States. Uh, I'm trying, trying to show some cause and effect here. It's not Everything happens isn't uh, pushed around by God, uh, specifically. Maternity deaths in, in uh, a hospital in Austria... Back in the 18, mid-1800s, uh, they had a really bad maternity success rate. Some of the hospitals had up to 25% mortality. It varied a lot. That is, that is dreadful. It was much, much safer to have your child at home with a midwife than go to the hospital with the doctors. They were horrible people. Uh, the germ theory wasn't developed back then. And they would go off and do dissections. And then they would, with their teaching, their students, medical students, and then go and do examinations in the, medic, in the maternity ward, and they had a tremendous death rate. Um, Ignaz Semmelweis was a, a doctor that said, you know what? Your germs weren't really discovered. I didn't know much about germs yet. He said, you know what? Maybe if we wash our hands with some awful chemicals, that would be good for us. And the death rate in his hospitals dropped down to around 1% instead of 25%. So, I don't think we can say that God just really favors hand washing. He just blesses people who wash their hands. There's a cause and effect in place. Wash your hands, children. It's good. Um, A young teenager, some years ago, 
was driving a skid later uh, down a bumpy field lane with a couple siblings in the bucket. And one of them fell out and got run over. And so what I heard back from the parents was that it was just their time to go. I believe there's some cause and effect. You know, God doesn't just push people out because he wants them in heaven. Uh, there's, you know, there's laws of nature that God put in place. Yes, God put in place at the beginning that do affect us and we must live by them. And so choices that we make uh, do, do affect us. Now, of course, God knew all about that from before the creation. That's, that, that's true. <clears throat> but the people involved didn't. Right? God has foreknowledge and we don't. We make our choices like he knows we will. But from our side of the fence, we don't, we don't see the, the, uh, the foreknowledge that he has. I knew a man in Virginia where I grew up that was seen to attract accidents. Uh, one time he, he had a little tractor, maybe an 8 in Ford type of a tractor, smallest tractor, stuck out in the field. And he got rocks and was, we put the, put the tractor in low gear, and got off and was stomping rocks down under the wheel as it was turning to get this tractor to have traction. And guess what? Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> And he, his, his foot, I mean, his, uh, the tractor got traction, yes. <laughs> and it threw him down and drove right over him, full length, and he put his head out the side and the wheel went over the top of his, over his shoulder. Uh, but that was normal life for the gentleman. <laughs> so, you know, cause and effect. God doesn't, didn't hate him. <laughs> uh, God lets natural laws treat us less, or teach us lessons. <clears throat> um, another account here. I'm bringing up these, these accounts just to get us an idea of what, what is a miracle, what is not a miracle, what, is, what would be normal. Because um, often I think we, we jump to the miracle uh, um, option Fairly quickly. And it says, that's fine. We, we believe God is all powerful. We, this is true. Um, and so we kind of jump on the miracle solution for a lot of things that probably are natural law. We depend on natural law very, very heavily. So I hope it's pretty secure. In 2011, there was an uh, unsuccessful deer hunter in Holmes County, Ohio, who's muzzleloader hunting, didn't get anything, came home and shot his gun into the air to get rid of the bullet. And a mile and a half away, there was a 15-year-old Amish girl driving a cart and a horse, and the bullet came and hit her in the head and killed her. A mile and a half away. And the poor guy didn't have any idea that he had shot anybody until he heard that somebody was killed by a bullet down this other road, and his family reported themselves that you know, he had shot into the air to unload his gun. So just a little quick, little quick mind game here. Was that a miracle? Was that a miracle? I mean, that's just guy couldn't hit deer at thirty yards. I suppose I don't know that. And yet you can do a blind shot a mile and a half away, and and kill somebody. I don't know. 
But think about this. Would we would it have seemed more like a miracle if it would have just put the hole through her bonnet bonnet brim and buried itself in the seat of the of the cart? Would that have been a miracle? We'd probably say yes. How about if it had hit the horse and killed the horse instead? How about if it landed ten feet off in the road? You know, laws of nature operate. And obviously, God can push bullets around, but most times for hunters, he doesn't. If God pushes bullets around, usually, does he push baseballs around? So the game, the game score is an act of God? Because he hit the ball, and wherever the ball goes, that's where God made it go? Uh, we don't, probably not. And the, 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 uh, uh, it's not wrong, it's actually good to thank God for thing, events that are a blessing to us that we don't know if he did it on purpose or if it was a law of nature acting as he created it in the beginning. That's great. God, God can take all the thanks that we can give him. And if today, any, 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 uh, any reason to doubt whether it was a natural occurrence or a, a, a direct miracle, just thank God. Thank God for taking care of you. That's, that's wonderful. That's good. Because God does take care of us even through natural laws. He keeps your car on the road by friction and gravity and all that. And, and thank God for, for having the universe in a, uh, built in, in a uh, predictable way. I want to uh, go through a, a, a story in the Bible. And this has really, been really intriguing to me. How God uses people's choices... Natural laws and miracles to fulfill his foreknowledge. And if you read down through the story and pick those parts out, it's like, wow, he is an organizer. Keep all that straight. Genesis 38 to 50. I won't read the whole thing. It's the story of Joseph. I want to go, um, just go down through the story of Joseph. And you can browse along um, chapter by chapter. I'm just going to skip through the story. God had a plan for the Israelites. The Canaanites were not wicked enough in God's mind to justify annihilating them yet. He was giving them mercy. So God needed a place to store the Israelites for about 400 years. Keep them safe. Keep them a special nation. Keep them ready to inhabit Canaan. Ready to produce the lineage that brought Christ into the world. God needed to kind of can Israel for about 400 years. He needed a, a nation that was kept separate. A nation that wasn't just assimilated into the, into the society. And so, in God's foreknowledge, from before the creation of Adam and Eve, he, he knew what was going to happen, of course, and he chose the country of Egypt to be the holding place for his nation of Israel during these 400 years while the Canaanites got more wicked. And his, his uh, mercy, mercy time was, was finished with them. Why Egypt? Why Egypt? Egypt was a really smart choice. Um, Egypt's, Egyptian culture was about as diabolically opposed to Israelite culture as you can get. The Bible says in a couple of places that the Israelites' a lifestyle was an abomination to the Egyptians. When they first moved there, it was, it says it, 
when they were going out in the time of Moses, it says it again. That the Israelite habits of life were an abomination to the Egyptians. So what happens? Israelite Israel gets pushed off into a corner. And they have this little enclave of Israel. They don't get to assimilate into the Egyptian culture. Amazing. He chose Egypt. And the Egyptians and the Israelites didn't like each other. When Joseph asked his brothers to come, he told them what they should say to Pharaoh to make it sound good so he would, Pharaoh would accept them. They were that hillbilly-ish. Okay, they were that uh, uh, different in their cultures, let's say it that way. <clears throat> Other than the hills, too. <laughs> so, God needed a place for Israel to be, to be stored for about 400 years. So about 3,900 years ago, the little boy was born. His mother really, really liked him. His name was Joseph. And I'm going to go through the story now and kind of pick out what seems to me like might be a miracle and what seems to me like is an effect of human choice. And this is just, just my idea. So it's arbitrary. You can have other ideas about it. But I just want to um, go over how God uses a mesh of all these things, like that tapestry weaving idea somebody brought this morning, to, to fulfill his foreknowledge, uses people's free choice to make something happen 400 years later that he needs to have happen to fulfill his foreknowledge. Joseph had a cooperative disposition. That's something people are born with. Some folks are born easier to train than others. Are you aware of that? Yeah. So, we, <laughs> uh, Joseph had a Cooperative disposition. He was born with that. Uh, a choice, Jacob, a choice here, his father Jacob, favored Joseph. Spoiled him, like selected him to be a favorite in the family. That was Jacob's choice. That wasn't something God had born into, into Jacob's life. Jacob did have some example in his parents of those favoritism ideas. Uh, but but I, I'd say that was a choice that, that Jacob made, how he relates to Joseph. But Joseph was born with a cooperative disposition. Uh, God gave Joseph dreams. I never could dream things on purpose. Could you? Uh, God seems to have given Joseph the dream. A miracle. Just straight out, God put things in his mind while he was sleeping. Gave him a dream. But the brothers chose to hate Joseph. They could have said, he's just a little kid. Don't worry about him. All kids have silly dreams. But they decided that this was important enough, they're going to hate him for it. And besides, his father was favored, had, had him as a favorite too, which made it easier for them to decide that they would hate him. Remember, people's choices are affected very strongly, but not caused quite, almost caused, but not quite caused by their surroundings and circumstances and their friends. So Jacob chose to send Joseph on a trip because he was his favorite special son. He always cooperated, he always obeyed. He was, he was a responsible person. He sent him on a trip. It was about 70 miles. He didn't have a car either. Joseph didn't have his license. He had to go on a donkey, or maybe, maybe, he, had a, maybe he walked. We don't, we're not told how he got there. But it was about 70 miles on the map from where it says that Jacob was living to where the brothers had taken the sheep to graze. And this gentleman, this little boy, this young man here is 17. So fathers, would you send your sons, 17-year-olds, walking across the countryside 70 miles away to go find somebody? 
Joseph couldn't find him either. He stopped and asked directions. And so he stopped and asked uh, where these brothers were. And somebody said they're over in another town. So he went, went over there. Yeah, so they're about 70 miles altogether. All the brothers planned to kill him. That was a decision they made. Um, very strongly influenced by their circumstances. And their previous decisions, decisions get a snowballing effect. And eventually you do things that you didn't think you would do many years ago. The brothers planned to kill him. Reuben was given by God, it seems, a loyal personality. Now, he was one of the brothers, yes. Uh, but he had a loyal personality. Did you know that, as far as I can tell, Reuben is the only, bo- only boy recorded in the Bible, one of Jacob's sons, Reuben, that was out in the field, picked some flowers, and brought them home to his mom. That's pretty nice, isn't it? It was so special to have this boy pick some flowers and bring him home to his mom that the other wife in the home made a deal to get some of them. Because her son didn't do it. At least they were plants. I don't know if they had flowers on them or not. But he, they, uh, Reuben brought some, some plants home, um, especially for his mom. And the other, well, other mother in the house wanted them really badly. Because her, 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 her boy didn't do that. So Reuben had a very loyal disposition, I would say, from, from that instance. And, and then later on with Joseph, in Joseph's relationship here, uh, he did as well. Reuben planned to send Joseph back home again. The other brothers had put him in a pit. They said they, 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 they were going to kill him. And, jo- and Reuben said, no, just put him in this hole. And then he was going to sneak him back out, send him back home to dad when the others weren't looking. So Reuben had on his mind, I'm going to rescue Joseph. And it seems that was a pretty important thing to him. But somehow he got distracted. And I, I'm putting that down on the miracle list. Because if, if I've got my little brother that was going to be killed, and I'm going to rescue him and send him home, away from my, my other brothers, I don't think I'd be just wandering around daydreaming and looking at the you know, birds in the sky. So Reuben got distracted, and the brothers chose to sell Joseph to uh, the Ishmaelites that were coming past. So, this is a great coincidence. But God somehow had arranged in the Ishmaelites' lives over the years. They grew up and they eventually planned to make a trip to Egypt at the same time Joseph happened to be in a hole. Lots of people's choices, lots of, of circumstances had to be just right. Their travel time, uh, how grumpy the camels were, you know, whatever, had to be just right to get these, this caravan of Ishmaelites at the spot where Jake, Joseph was in a hole on that certain day in time when Reuben wasn't around uh, to uh, have the brothers sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Makes the money out of the deal. Better than killing him. So, the brothers agreed to, buy, to sell Joseph. The Ishmaelites agreed to buy him. And that was the deal they made. In Egypt... Joseph is sold to Egyptian top brass. I suppose there are many, many slave markets in Egypt. <clears throat> but Joseph gets sold to the top brass of Egypt. I put that on the miracle list. Uh, a choice then. The brass's wife betrays him. 
That was a choice that she made. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. I think that was a, a, a personal choice that she made. I don't see that as a miracle. I'll think that has happened many, many, many other times throughout history. But the next miracle that I put on my miracle list is that Potiphar saves Joseph's life. You think that that'd be a miracle? I think it is. You know what? The, um, according to Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, Potiphar, the term referred to as Potiphar in the, in the account, um, literally means butcher. He was the captain of the guard, the executioner. He was the one that chopped off people's heads. Um, and you remember later in the story, Pharaoh took off the head of his baker for burning the biscuits. It doesn't say what exactly the, the offense was. It was something fairly trivial. Uh, and Potiphar, the butcher, has a servant that supposedly got involved with his wife, and he gets stuck into a cushy dungeon, I mean, a cushy prison, and not just tortured to death. That's a miracle in my, in my list. You don't mess with the butcher's wife, that's for sure. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Potiphar, Potiphar saved Joseph's life. I don't really think he believed his wife. But anyway, Potiphar saved Joseph's life. So Joseph then chooses to stay faithful in prison. And he was actually given some responsibility in prison by the, by the jailer and, and befriended the, the prisoners. And that's when the biscuit burning butler, uh, uh, baker, <laughs> got, got put in there. <clears throat> Another miracle. God gave the butler and the baker dreams. They dreamed specific things that meant something. My dreams don't usually mean anything, thankfully. The, the baker and the butler both had specific dreams given to him, them by God. God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream as a, another miracle, a direct act of God. Uh, Joseph was able to know what the dreams meant. Uh, another next choice here, the butler forgot Joseph. Uh, he got all excited about being back in his position and he forgot to uh, talk about Joseph to the, the court. Another miracle. God caused a famine in Canaan. Probably, maybe. Uh, let's put it on the miracle list. If God caused a, a famine in Canaan, and he gave Pharaoh a dream. That was a specific act of God, I believe. He gave Pharaoh a dream. <clears throat> and God chose, I mean, I'm sorry, Pharaoh chose to promote Joseph. The brothers decided to go to Egypt to buy grain. That's where the grain was. They had no other choice uh, to, to go get food. And they just automatically went there. <clears throat> they didn't go to the... Uh, yeah, that's where the food was, so they went there. Uh, Joseph chose to invite 
his family. And Israel, the nation of Israel, moved then to Goshen and lived a segregated life in, in, in Goshen, in Egypt. <clears throat> and were able to live there for 400 years, approximately 400 years, uh, without getting mixed up with the Egyptian culture. Again, uh, because God chose Egypt seemingly for the abhorrence the Egyptians had for the uh, Israelites' culture. It seems as though the Hebrews ate a lot of the things that the Egyptians worshipped. That's maybe one of the one of the reasons why there was a, a problem there. If we knew the future like God does, then our freedom of choice would vanish. It seems we are only able to exercise free choice, free choice because we do not know the future. If I had told the young gentleman up here before that. You're going to pick the one on the left. And he would pick it. You know, his, his choice was gone if he knows ahead of time what's going to happen. So is it a blessing that we do have choice? That God does withhold from us the future? <clears throat> that God allows us to choose? And and uh, we don't have to get all up in a tizzy wondering, am I choosing what God wants, you know, what, what God's going to make happen? What if I choose this? What if I choose something that God isn't going to have happen? You know, uh, God knows so much more about our future, so much more about uh, the whole world's uh, activities. How many, of you know, uh, how many of you have been to Roadside America? All right, yes. Um, interesting place for children of all sizes. <clears throat> that uh, display reminds me a little bit of Again, this is a lame illustration about how God must view the world. We see all these little teeny scenes and there's little teeny people you know, going about their daily lives. But if God has that kind of view over the whole of history and future all at once, and God knows everything about everything. And yet the people down there don't know what God knows about the future. And so we get to choose and at the same time, God has perfect foreknowledge. But his foreknowledge doesn't force our choices. <clears throat> this is uh, story of Joseph. Um, Joseph tells his brothers after their father died, when their, their brothers thought that, you know, now that dad's died, maybe Joseph will be mean to us because we were mean to him. And Joseph says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. Um, one thing I want to bring out about this, this uh, verse. But God meant it for good. That does not mean that God wanted the brothers to sell Joseph, to be mean to him, because he wanted something good out of it. God, does, God never wants people to be wicked to fulfill his plan. Now, he uses wicked people all the time. He uses Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, and Joseph's brothers. But God never wants anyone to be wicked to fulfill his plan. Uh, again, Strong's uh, lexicons are wonderful things. I, I guess they're, they're true. <laughs> um, I depend on them pretty heavily. Uh, the Hebrew and the Greek dictionaries. 
that word from mint has the idea of weaving in the, in the uh, Hebrew de- definition. So you meant it evil. You were trying to be mean to me. But God took your meanness and made it into something that he wanted to have happen later. Totally unrelated to you, to your meanness. So this, uh, this tapestry idea is just, just, just completely uh, sound. God takes wicked people's wicked actions. He can. If the people who are on the other end of the actions are uh, submitted to God. He can take a wicked action and make something good out of it. Uh, there are many people who are in abusive situations, for example. Uh, that's not good. Uh, people you know, are cruel to each other. That's not good. But God is big enough that when somebody disobeys God's will, disobeys God's laws, uh, does wicked things, God can take that wicked thing that was wicked. Joseph said, you thought evil against me. It was really evil. <clears throat> you weren't doing righteousness. But God can make it into something that turns out good. Now, now the thing isn't ever good that was done. It was never good that Joseph was sold and, 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 and put in a pit and lied about all that. That was all bad. And God never approves of that. Um, but God does take all that badness and weave it into the goodness because Joseph was willing to follow God's plan and willing to give up his own right to retribution. Uh, Romans 8.28 We can probably recite this in unison. Let's try. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. It does not say, remember, that all things that happen are good. Many things that happen in this world are very bad and, and wicked and ungodly and not God's will. Not God's will. He, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, not according to God's character. Satan is not according to God's character. <clears throat> Satan exists. All things, all things in the world exist that are not according to God's character. But all things will work together to produce good if we follow God's purpose for our lives. And God has a purpose and he will work that out uh, through the badness. And that's what's so wonderful and great about God. That is more wonderful and more great than if God pushed everything around in the world and made everything happen just like he wanted it to, like a chessboard. But God can take the choices of people, the madness of people, the cruelty of people, and redeem it through the blood of Christ into something that, that can draw folks closer to him, that can show his uh, strength in the midst of difficulty. Job. You know, we look back at the story of Job and, you know, take, take courage. You know, Job didn't reject God. <clears throat> Job's story has, Job's life has been doing good for all these years. In many people's lives. <clears throat> um, Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. God has a will. God has a plan for the universe. And it's going to happen that way. <clears throat> um, it's like he had a plan for Joseph. He wanted to get Israel into Egypt. And he got Israel into Egypt. Uh, God has a plan for the universe, for humanity. And it will happen the way God wants it to happen. <clears throat> he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. <clears throat> but he does it through some miracles, through some choices of people, and through natural laws that he put in place, of course, at the beginning. Natural laws aren't supportive of themselves. They, they, Jesus, of course, makes the universe work in the way that it does. But the whole purpose of that, that we should be to the praise of his glory. So may we live that way. And as tragedies occur in our lives, I recognize that it's not necessarily that God did this to you. That's one thing I want to bring up. If I break my leg, it's not necessarily that God broke it for me or pushed me off the roof. A lot of bad things happen that are not according to the character of God, even to godly people like Joseph. But God can, <clears throat> by his spirit working in your heart, make you a, a, a more committed person, a more uh, caring, compassionate person <laughs> through the rough spots in our lives. So may that be the uh, effect of God's work in our hearts.